You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, as South Africa's overall debt passes levels that uh, are considered prudent and the interest bill increasingly crowds out other government spending, it's clear that government needs to enlist the private sector to help deliver infrastructure via public-private partnerships. It's what everyone's talking about at the moment. And I'm joined now by uh, Charles Murray, counsel at Hogan Lavelle's uh, office in uh, Johannesburg, to talk about public-private partnerships uh, and uh, where our strengths and weaknesses uh, potentially are here. Charles, welcome to the show. Good evening, Michael. Thank you. And the big talk at the moment is obviously infrastructure and uh, the ability to roll out large infrastructure projects. Uh, The issue is also around getting this done speedily. We can't consult on this forever. When it comes to infrastructure investments, what does a bankable project look like? What features do bankable projects share? Michael, I think that we need to understand that in South Africa, we've got a fairly good track record of rolling out large infrastructure projects. Um, so to, to help us get there, we have a very strong regulatory environment. We have good ports and road infrastructure to get equipment to market. We have access to South African RAND finance, which is quite an important consideration. We have a strong legal system, a good banking system. I think we have surplus capacity in the construction sector at the moment. We have a low rate, uh, low interest rates environment, and uh, we have a certain amount of administrative intent. So to make a, a project bankable, we need to have um, certainty, predictability, and, and certainly convenience. And that comes about uh, through our having a fairly strong regulatory environment. I think the rules and regulations of engagement are fairly clear. You know, we've had the statutes on our books for some time. But I think that what speaks to this more than anything else is the fact that we have got a strong track record in rolling out these big PP projects. And one of those is in the REAP program, which has been in the news ever since the gazetting last Friday of the procurement of 11,800 megawatts, of which 6,800 megawatts will be um, IPPs. Um, and uh, as an advisor to uh, Langaletu Solar Power, which is a company developing a 100 megawatt CSP plant uh, in terms of uh, the REAP program, uh, you're well positioned to share with us what it is about the REAP program that really makes it so successful from a PPP perspective? I think the first thing is, as I said, we've got the the right infrastructure. Our rules of engagement are very clear. And what is quite impressive, and this has been borne out by the recent publication of the emergency procurement program, is that the program is very well structured. Now, we've we've had a lot of practice in in the REAP area. The REAP goes back to, to 2011. And because of all these factors and the fact that the the incoming investors and the lenders have done this before and understand the rules of engagement, they understand the rules and regulations, it makes it a very comfortable and and a fairly um, familiar landscape for them to operate in. If one looks at this historically in the South African context, um, largely, if you look at infrastructure risk, it's been assumed by government, even if it didn't directly fund it, it would either directly fund it or to a large extent take a a significant chunk of the risk um, when there is a middle ground, which we haven't really fully developed, uh, where there are perhaps 
underlying discountable ca- visible cash flows and and what I mean by that where there are cash flows that aren't necessarily government dependent or are private sector utilization type fees those can then be discounted and we've seen examples where that has worked quite uh, well in toll concessions uh, what else do you think the private sector would be looking for to become a partner in a sort of blended finance uh, approach to building infrastructure in the country at a time when, uh, let's face it, Charles, uh, I think a lot of people have been very sceptical about government's ability to to roll out a big infrastructure following 10 years of uh, hollowing out of state capacity, of uh, stories around corruption. There does still seem to be some healthy scepticism. Yeah, and I think the I think the, the the value in having the private sector do these um, projects for the government is the fact that they can do so on time and, and in, in budget, and they do so because if they don't, then there are certain penalties, and you know they, they also have the profit motive to to succeed. So the project finance is basically made up of two fundamental types of finance: that's equity and debt. And what distinguishes a project, a project of this nature, they normally have very long tenors, is the fact that you can procure very long-term and very, um, very interesting debt. So your debt can make up 80% of the, of the financial requirement, and it can be for tenors of up to 15 or 16 years. The other attractive thing is that you don't use any of the government's money in actually rolling out the infrastructure. So if you take the REAP as an example, you will fund fund that on the on the basis of bank debt and private equity, but you have the government as an off-taker. Although ESCOM is nominally the off-taker of the power, government underwrites that the obligation of ESCOM. So once you've achieved commercial operations, in, in, in effect, the, the owners of the business are taking sovereign risk. There may be room for innovative funding, but I think this is such a world-tested recipe it is probably going to be with us for a while, and mm-hmm. unless the, the lenders can come up with something a bit more innovative. Are you confident, just as a parting thought, uh, Charles, that, that this time is different, that uh, finally we've reached a, a point uh, where we stop talking about our infrastructure intent and desire and start to deliver uh, bankable projects, shovel-ready projects, uh, and just uh, getting on with uh, using this infrastructure to be a catalyst for growth? Mike, it seems like it. You know, at least the noises that we're hearing now are consistent. And we went through a patch where there was a lot of inconsistency and uncertainty. We had lots of ministers of, of energy, for instance. So there was never a settling in period where we could actually look at the future and say that, that that's looking attractive. But right now, I think, you know, we, we're weathering a perfect storm and hopefully we're heading into a, a, a patch of perfect calm. And, you know, once we've settled down, you know, the, the COVID has more or less been managed uh, almost to the point of having been eradicated and we can't really drop any further. And I think we've got the perfect condition, the perfect circumstances to actually launch some innovative and badly needed infrastructure projects. You know, one doesn't forget that we actually critically need this infrastructure. We need to create jobs. We need to, to create, we need to stimulate growth through a lot of activity in the private sector, but with public sector backing. Absolutely. Uh, Charles Murray, Council at Hogan Lavelle's uh, Johannesburg, talking about uh, our capacity and our experience to run out big infrastructure projects. It certainly stands us a good stead, but we don't have the luxury of endless consultations.